Uh, If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible, the passage will be on the screen in uh, in just a couple minutes. Uh, We're going to consider this morning uh, the, the power of despair in our lives, the power of hopelessness, and how God brings healing uh, to our lives. Uh, a few years ago, uh, I met a gentleman who started coming to Green Tree uh, named Chris. And one of the first things that struck me about Chris was you could feel the pain that was in his heart just by being around him. Uh, before he even spoke a word or, or, or shared any of his story with me, I sensed uh, that he came from very difficult circumstances. And, and later on, uh, towards the end of the sermon, we're actually going to show Chris's story on the, on the screen this morning, or at least parts of it. But I think that, that although oftentimes we don't verbalize it, you know, we come here on Sunday morning, we, we, we dress up, we get cleaned up before we come to church, and there's a sense in which we come in and folks say, hey, good morning, how are you? And our standard response is fine. And yet there could be some pain deep in our hearts, there could be some struggles that we have, and it could be for a whole host of reasons, a whole variety of reasons, that that particular moment we may be feeling absolutely hopeless. We may be feeling complete despair, but when somebody asks us how we're doing, our rote response is fine. We're going to tear the walls away from that a little bit this morning. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture uh, where someone is, is, in a sense, is honest enough to say, I'm really not doing fine. My heart is really breaking. And to see how God steps into that experience with Abraham and with Sarah and speaks his truth and speaks his promise and his powerful word and the impact that that has and had on their lives. Part of my journey with Chris is to see how God has been transforming his life, to see how the the joy of the gospel has penetrated his soul. He's still on his journey. His life is not perfect. You know, it's not, you know, everything's great now, but there's a sense in which he has a new hope. He has a new hope that God has given him. And one of our goals as we talk about vision and provision is that we would be a safe place for people to be on that journey, which is sometimes filled with pain in order that they may see the glory and the mercy and the grace of God. This morning, we're going to concentrate our our time on Sarah, who has, because she's married to Abraham, been given this promise literally over decades that God would give her a son that through her son, Abraham's offspring would be counted, that through the children that come from Sarah, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And she's heard this promise time and time and time again, and yet nothing's happened. And she gets older and she gets older and she gets older, and things absolutely seem hopeless. And although Abraham believes God and trusts God, he also reaches a moment of despair. In chapter 17, I'm not going to put that part on the screen this morning, but in chapter 17, for the sixth time, God comes to Abraham and he says, I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. And in verse 17 of chapter 17, here's Abraham's response. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. I don't think that was laughter of joy. I don't think that was a laughter of excitement. I think it was the laughter of hopelessness. You know, sometimes folks say to you, you're either going to laugh or cry. (laughs) So I'm going to choose at this moment to laugh. But it's not a laughter of joy. Sarah has the same experience in the passage we're going to read this morning because God's promise is starting to sound hollow. We're going to see the seventh time that God approaches Abraham and Sarah with this promise. 
and they're beginning to wonder if God is teasing them, if God is just giving them this word just to string them along, or is something really going to happen. They're reaching a point of crisis in their lives. With that in mind, Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 through 15, and then we're going to read the first seven verses out of Genesis 21. Hear the word of God. The messengers have come. They're speaking to Abraham. Uh, They're reminding him of the promise. And then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said to them, she is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? And the Lord said, Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, no, but you did laugh. That's going over to chapter 21, the first seven verses. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time in which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of the son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son. In his old age. This is the reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. When scoffing turns to laughter. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, this morning we come expectantly. We come hoping, some of us beyond hope, that your truth will somehow penetrate our hearts and our lives. Father, some of us come with deep joy this morning, with great gratitude in our lives, and others of us come with deep, unspoken pain. It was everything we could do just to show up here this morning. And we're wondering whether or not you actually will speak to us, actually, if you even exist in in care. Father, I thank you that even to the hopeless, you show yourself true. Show yourself powerful to save. And Father, that is our prayer this morning. We did not come here to hear the words of man. We've listened to the words of man all week. They're powerless. Ultimately, they're useless. Lord God, it is only your eternal word that can make any significant difference in our lives. And so, Father, I pray that it would not be anything I say this morning. I pray that that you would not let me stand in the way of what you want us to know. Lord, forgive my sin. Forgive my lack of faith. Move me aside, Lord Jesus. You come, your spirit and your word and your power. You come and be our teacher. Allow us to sit at your feet, we pray. In your name, amen. Well, as as I mentioned just a moment ago, uh, this promise, this seventh time this promise has been revealed to, uh, to Abraham and to Sarah comes with a lot of specificity. This time next year, Sarah will bear you a son. But Sarah is finding faith hard to come by. 
She's struggling greatly with what I'm going to call a melancholy heart. And she's given up hope. There is sadness and there is grief in her heart. Look at verse 12 of chapter 18. Now, Sarah laughed to herself. And again, it's not, it's not a chuckle of good humor. It's a laugh of despondency. Saying, after I'm worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? Do you, do you see the pain in her heart? Sarah's now 90 years old. She has been infertile all of her life. She has not been able to bear children during her childbearing years, and now they've long passed. And now she's to expect that this promise will come true. God's word seems to her absurd. And there's only unbelief in her heart. She is wrestling mightily with with the promise that God has given on the one hand and the reality that she sees around her, which is she has not had children, and there now seems to be absolutely no hope that she will have children. She she has reached, in a sense, the the bottom of the barrel, so to speak, as far as her emotional condition. Now, I tend to be a person that sees the glasses half full. I know some of you tend to see the glass as half empty, and I know some of you well enough to know that you don't even have a glass, much less have anything in it. And I often struggle to, uh, to have the right amount of compassion in my heart to relate well to you. And so every once in a while, I go to this website, which I'm going to talk to you about in just a minute. But if you're a glass half empty person, this website is not for you. Uh, you do not have your pastor's permission to go to this website because the name of the website is despair.com. And if those of you that are pessimists go to this, God will know you went to this website and he'll tell me and I'm going to come and have a talk with you about that. Let me give you some... They, they, they put these posters out and, and they're the, the exact opposite of the, of the optimistic kind of cheer you up posters. But it's good for me to remember this because there are times when I kind of just... Either I don't want to experience the pain or, or I don't want to acknowledge it and I just try to skate by it quickly. And so despair.com is good for me. Here, here's some of my favorites that I pulled out on these posters they put up. One of them says, I expected, life, I expected times like this, but I never thought they'd be so bad, so long, and so frequent. <laughs> One of them says, when you wish upon a falling star, your dreams can come true. Unless it's really a meteorite hurtling to the earth, which will destroy all of life. <laughs> then you're pretty much hosed no matter what you wish for, unless it's death by a meteor. (laughs) And my personal favorite, it's always darkest just before it goes pitch black. (laughs) Now, we can chuckle about that this morning, and you can go to despair.com and read a whole lot more of their other creative stuff. But the facts are, there are times when we might look good on the outside, but that's exactly how we feel. We, you know what, it, we've moved into pitch black spiritually and emotionally. And that's where Sarah was. And I don't think we can skirt around that issue. And I don't think we can make light of that. Because I believe that the same that's true of Sarah is true of many of us this morning. And it, it might not have anything to do with the ability to have children or not have children, but a lot of us have deep-seated pain in our hearts that lead us to, to a melancholy heart. And we have not yet experienced the healing power of Christ. Maybe it's because we're a victim of someone else's abuse. Perhaps we're a victim of our own poor decisions in the past. We may be racked with shame or with guilt or with fear or some kind of disappointment in our lives. Many of us find ourselves resonating with Sarah's scoffing. God, are you, are you just teasing me one more time? I don't know that I can take the pain this time. 
It's the seventh time you've offered me a promise, Lord, and, and I haven't seen anything happen. And God, in his grace and his mercy, speaks directly to Sarah. And he speaks to her a question of faith. Look at, at verse 14 of chapter 18. The Lord says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. God does not rebuke Sarah. He, he does confront her. He says, you did laugh. He, he, he brings her into the truth, into the reality of the situation, but he doesn't rebuke her, but rather he refocuses her. He says, Sarah, you need to understand, and Abraham, you need to understand, this is not about age. <laughs> This is not a question of whether uh, you've been infertile or not infertile. It's not based on any circumstance, humanly speaking. It's a question of whether or not I will keep my promise. That's the question that many of us are faced with this morning. Does God, through Christ, keep his promise to those who put their trust in him, not just for salvation, but for emotional and spiritual healing to take place in our lives? I think uh, one of the, the important things to see this morning is the question that God asks. Is anything too hard for the Lord? It's obviously a rhetorical question. The answer is, uh, of course not. There's nothing too hard for the Lord. But in the English, when we think of something too hard, we think about an obstacle that can't be overcome. You know, is the mountain too high? Is the valley too low? Is the river too wide? And, we, and, we, and we're thinking about exertion. Is, is God going to be able to, to get the job done? And that's not what this word means in the Hebrew. You could translate it this way. Is anything too wonderful for God to do? Is there anything so incredible that it's outside God's ability? You see, God is going, he's going right to the heart of the matter. He's dealing with Abraham and Sarah's pain. He's not talking about energy. He's not talking about effort. He's talking about what he wants to do in their lives, which is bring redemption and joy and healing. And he says, Sarah, you can't even get your mind around the idea that you could experience my healing. Sarah, you're in such a dark place right now. You can't begin to comprehend that I actually have something wonderful in store for you. And not just for you, but for all of mankind. But it's okay, Sarah. It's a question of faith. I will return. Sarah shall conceive. God keeping his promises in his time. And Sarah will be the recipient and through her son, humanity will see, receive God's grace. That means you and that means me. That means the question that God is asking us this morning as we struggle perhaps with some unbelief or disappointment or despair, is anything too wonderful for me to do for you in Christ? I'm not going to put this passage on the, on the screen, but I would encourage you to uh, consider it. Uh, maybe this afternoon later on or, or sometime this week in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul writes this in verses 19 and 20. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaimed among you, is not yes and no, but in him it is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. The healing journey, friends, begins with a question of faith. I'm not saying that Jesus makes all your problems go away immediately. But until we wrestle with faith, until we come to grips with the fact that in his wonder and in his providence and in his glory, God has created something so much better for us that we can't even begin to imagine it. And yet we must understand that that is a step of faith. It is a journey of faith. Unless we begin there, 
we will not experience healing. Sarah had to come to grips with her unbelief. She had to wrestle with her thoughts that God was not wonderful, but perhaps in her heart God had become maybe not vindictive, but at least callous to the cries of her heart. And that might be where you and I are this morning. Does God even hear? Does God even care? Does God keep his word? Does he keep his promises? Well, look at chapter 21, verses 1 through 3. And I want you to look at how specific Moses writes these verses. He leaves no room for doubt. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. As he said, as he promised, which God had spoken to him. Underline those in your Bible if you're an underliner because it reminds you that this is about the power of God. It's about God keeping his word. Sarah conceived. Sarah bore. God isn't haphazard with the details. It was Sarah to whom he made the promise through Abraham and it is Sarah that now experiences the birth of this son in her old age. Yes, indeed, God was going to give her that pleasure because God had a bigger picture in mind, not just Sarah's healing, but your healing and my healing as we experience it in Christ. And so Abraham calls the name of this son Isaac, which in Hebrew simply means he laughs. And you got to think of that. Every time... Every time uh, Sarah held that baby, she was reminded of laughter. And I think it was a double-edged sword, quite frankly. I think she was reminded of the day that she laughed in disbelief. She said, God, I really don't think you're that wonderful. I really don't think you're that incredible that you would do this. But then I think she remembered the day in which Isaac was born and how God redeemed her soul and how God healed the hurt and the pain in her life and how she burst forth in laughter. Obviously, Abraham laughed. Sarah laughed. The entire camp laughed. And I think God actually had a smile on his face as well. Why? Because he knew of something bigger that he had planned. He knew that this was about redemption. He knew that this was about healing for people generation after generation after generation for those who would come to his healing in Christ. And therefore, I'm sure he smiled as well. Again, I'm not going to put these verses on the screen, but in Galatians chapter 4, Paul writes this, at just the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Now the word sons there means the privileged one. So it could be son or it could be daughter, but it's the privileged child. It's the the child of the inheritance. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, you are also an heir through Christ. The promise is fulfilled. And it's filled in a a more incredible way than Sarah could have ever imagined. I think Sarah's been laughing every day since that day, all the way through all of her time in heaven up till now, because every day somebody else comes to Christ for salvation. Somebody, several, who knows how many people come to Christ every day. And Sarah goes, there's one more picture of God's incredible grace and God's incredible power. She sees the promise fulfilled. And because of that, her life is changed. Look at verses 6 and 7 of uh, chapter 21. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. 
She said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I've borne him a son in his old age. Notice who gets the credit. God has made laughter for me. God is the one who is the incredible one. He is the wonderful one. And she gives praise and glory to God. And then she says, everybody who hears this will laugh over me. How many people do you think heard this story? I mean, if you're parents and, and you have you know, children born to you, do you just call like one person when your first child was born? You know, you, you say, oh, maybe we'll, yeah, we'll call mom and dad next week and let them know the baby was born. Are you kidding? You call everybody. I stop strangers on the street. This is my son. Look at my son. He's, he's with me. I know I've never met you in my life, but this is my son. You know, you do weird stuff like that. You shout, you shout for joy. You know, then you got to raise them, and that's a whole other question. But you, you can't wait to tell everybody. You know, it's just, you know, you feel like you should be on the Letterman show with your child showing the whole world because your life has changed. And Sarah's a different person. Everybody heard this story. Every Bedouin that passed through their campsite heard this story. And then she kind of makes a a play on words. She kind of makes a little bit of a joke. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Nobody. Nobody would have ever said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a child except for one person, the only person that counted in the whole equation, God. We listen to Chris's story, whether you have the, the honor and the privileges I have to sit with him personally uh, and talk for hours. One of the things you notice is that there's a hope and a joy in his life because God is redeeming what was broken. And one of the things I said in the first in the first hour, I wanted to use the word fun. What's well, one of the most fun things for me? But it, but I changed. I said it's really one of the most sacred things for me is is Chris's laughter, because it, it's the laughter of the redeemed. It's not the laughter of somebody whose life is perfect. He has you know he he'll be the first person to tell you you know all his problems have not gone away, but he's on the journey of faith now, and and God is redeeming his his pain, and God's using his pain as redemptive work in other people's lives. And I believe that God's using Sarah's pain this morning to speak to us. I love you. I love you in Christ. I long for you to trust in me and rest in me. So uh, for a few minutes, listen to Chris's story. There has been a tremendous amount of pain that as I look back through my life, and that I've been someone that really has been on a bullet train, just trying to escape that pain. Uh, and that pain started very young. Uh, I was born and raised in a very cold uh, family environment. It was emotionless. It was very rigid. Um, it was a dark place to grow up for a young boy. I was exposed to verbal abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and it was hard. It had a darkness to it that I felt would never end. School came very easy to me. Um, Performing well outside of the home was just effortless in many ways. But in the home, it was tough, and I loved the moments outside the home. After college, I pursued a master's degree um, in exercise physiology, 
during that period, I was exposed to a team physician at uh, Penn State who uh, just took me to the OR one day and said, what do you think about being an orthopedic surgeon? And uh, I loved it. I mean, the OR was uh, an intense drug that was, uh, it was fun, it was exciting, and, and I said, that's what I want to do. I think when one is exposed to hard things at a young age, there has to be an outlet. And I had experiences in my young life where I was exposed to alcohol and drugs at a very, very young age in a very, very unhealthy manner. And quite honestly, they weren't good enough. You know, I think through success, power, it's no different than any other drug. And for me, it became very addicting. The ability to succeed, to keep moving. Um, but it had a high cost. One of the greatest gifts that ever happened to me is I'm trying to escape my family, escape my past, was that I had a young and wonderful woman who pursued me. I mean, Julie is God's gracious gift that I do not deserve by any sense of the imagination. Um, I mean, she has suffered being married to me. It is not difficult to be abandoned during a residency program where your husband works 120 hours a week for two years. I'm not proud of this, but this just due to the life circumstances for two years, I, I was not involved in Rachel and Jordan's life. Julie raised those children uh, by herself. Throughout training, it was just survive, get through. I mean, I think here we are, July 31st, 2003. Uh, it is the celebration of our 10th anniversary, wedding anniversary. Uh, I have just finished my fellowship, and Julie and I are moving to St. Louis. You couldn't have found more broken and unstable people at that point in time. Um, and coming to St. Louis for a job opportunity, um, it was, gosh, it, it was the first time that we were actually all together. And I can honestly say it did not go well. I mean, it just did not go. I didn't know how to be a father. I didn't know how to be a husband. I knew how to operate. I know how to take care of orthopedic sports medicine injuries. And quite honestly, that became an escape. And it became easier to just be successful in that arena than to take care of my responsibilities in the home. Part of my story is that I haven't had healthy church experiences, either growing up in the church I was raised in, uh, or our initial church experience here in St. Louis. We were not cared for well. We, we had folks that weren't good leaders, that didn't handle story well, that uh, we were harmed in a lot of ways. And it was a point in my journey that I was really wrestling with God. We, as a family unit, we needed stability. We needed needed a place to sit. Uh, 
and the back blue chairs are really comfortable. Um, <laughs> for us at that moment, it was just beautiful to be able to sit and be unknown, but yet we felt that we were deeply known by our Father. That was a special time and continues to be a special time. I, I haven't moved up front. I still remember in 2006, it was in October, that we had been coming mm, maybe since August. And we had known some of the leaders and some of the people from afar. Um, but Julie and I were at a point where we were just really hurting. And it was a community where we felt that we could invite people into our life. Uh, I mean, I'll never forget uh, the night Bob and Margie walked into our house. Uh, it changed our life. Um, for them to sit with us, to hear our story, to handle it well, and then to leave and say, we'll come back. It, it was that simple for them, but I mean, Julie and I really the next week thought they wouldn't come back. For someone that did not know normal, healthy relationship as God designed it. Right. This has been a place that we can sit amongst very broken people. Please, I know your story. I know your family. I know Bob. I know Margie. I mean, we're telling your story. We, <laughs> no, it is. I think it's no, good it's to true. know that we are all wounded in some way some more than others, but these are deep wounds we have, and those that are caring for us aren't perfect. However, there's an awareness of brokenness in this church that is comforting. This is a place that you can struggle with deep issues. I mean, this is not, my boo-boos are not going away till Jesus comes. These are deep wounds. The, to think that the first 18 years of life did not and will not affect me until the day I die, it would be irresponsible of a story. But this place that we sit in is a place where we can wrestle with the gospel, where we can wrestle with a father who I still have a hard time to think that I can be loved as a son. It's too much to bear, but it's at least there for me to try to bear <laughs> because of this place. I've been loved well. I've been loved well by people who were comfortable in their own brokenness to sit with me and mine and to laugh, to get angry, to cry, uh, to even get defiant to the Almighty. But we need to be open that the facts are this, in a room of 200 people, 100 women, 100 men, 50 women and 30 men, by the most conservative estimates, have a story similar to mine. And if you're out there today, that this is a place that you can start to work through that. And God is big enough. If I believe God is big enough, and I think that's the sting of my story. I was surrounded by people. I didn't believe things. I was surrounded by people 
that at times I, I trusted their faith. I trusted your faith. I trusted Bob's faith. I trusted Julie's faith. Um, it is worth another day to struggle with the gospel and to make sense of it. Just so you know, in the, in the first service, Chris did sit on the third row right over there. So he, he found the front of the church. He's now moved back. to He's sitting with my family towards the back of the church in the blue chairs. I'm not sure what all that says. But um, just a couple things before we close. One is, uh, this is not a, and they all lived happily ever after story. You know, the, the pain is all gone. There are no more problems. This is a story that's in process, just like all of our stories is in process, that God is bringing about not only salvation, not only redemption, but he's bringing about healing. He's bringing about laughter into our souls. Yes, we're broken. Yes, we, we don't have all the answers, but we have the answer in Christ. And he is restoring uh, that which sin has taken away. And we get to be on that journey together. And our hope and prayer as leaders of Green Tree, as servant leaders of Green Tree, is that this would be a safe place for you. It would be a safe place for your family. You might be one of those people that God uses to engage someone else and to offer a safe place for them to share their story. You might be a person that God says, come alongside another and walk with them. You might be a person that says, I really need that in my life. I need to know that I can be who I am and still explore the claims of Christ. And our heart's passion is that, that we would be part of God's provision in this day and in this age to, to share his gospel and his healing uh, with others. Um, Chris is going to be around after the service. You can chat with him. Our prayer team is going to be up front. I'll be over by that door. If there's something that's stirring in your heart this morning, you, you need somebody to share with, any of us would be thrilled to have the privilege to talk with you about this healing journey, about this, this Isaac, this laughter that God brings as he touches our souls. The last thing I'm going to say before I pray is we're going to, we're going to sing a couple songs at the end. The first song we're going to sing is a song that we typically sing around Christmas time, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. We're going to sing it to a different tune this morning, and I want you to, to work at singing this song. It will not be easy because this is a tune with which you're probably not familiar. But Chris asked for this tune because he was in a, a choir when he was a young man uh, that had very negative experiences in his life, but now God's redeemed this song. And so he wanted to sing it to that tune to remind him of God's faithfulness, to remind him, you know, to laugh. This morning. So it's not going to be the easiest song you've ever sung, but sing it with all your heart, with all your might, as the redeemed people of God. Will you pray with me?